What's up, you guys? It's your boy Squints here with another episode of A Man and His Podcast. I have a very special guest today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Matt Jackson. I'm the owner and uh, booker of St. Louis Anarchy. So the last Anarchy show, you said uh, that you had a record attendance for Spalding Hall. What was the record before that? What show? Uh, so, I mean, we, we've done it many times in there. Uh, I believe the hall capacity is like 368 people, which you know, we've done that multiple times. Uh, this particular show, we had a few people who were standing, so we hit like 380. So that is why it was a, like an attendance record for us there. All right. Uh, so what made you guys decide to go to Spalding when you first started, not coming back, because that's pretty obvious why you guys would want to come back. But was it just an available building at the time? Yeah, so we were kind of in between buildings. Like when Anarchy first started, we were uh, we were in a Knights of Columbus and O'Fallon. Um, that building didn't want to do wrestling anymore. So we kind of jumped around from there. Like there was a building we did in Granite City. Um, there was like a skate park we did in Granite City. I think we did a spot show at the Knights of Columbus in Fairview Heights. And actually, uh, Matt Fitchett knew the hall manager, like the person that was like running Spalding's day-to-day business. Uh, he knew her from high school. So he put us in contact with Megan and that is when we started running in Spalding. So in your opinion, when did like uh, the Spalding Hall atmosphere really start, if that makes sense, if that question makes any sense? You know, it's weird. Like, I don't know if I can really pinpoint an exact show or an exact moment. I think it was just because back when Anarchy started, there wasn't really anything like it. Uh, the other local promotions in the area, they weren't really bringing in national level talent. Uh, they weren't really using uh, high level indie talent from other states. It was more just, you know, local promotions that just use local guys where Anarchy <clears throat> out, you know, we were bringing in people from all over the country uh, and high level indie stars. So I think really it was the quality of the shows that created just a, fa- a passionate fan base and the fact that those shows when we hit a good stride happened to be held in that particular building it kind of just all manifested that way so i, I just think it was because the shows were good over the course of a long period of time all right yeah i remember my first anarchy show I might be wrong, but I think it was the second show back after the NWL. Cause I remember uh, Sam Richardson, he asked me if I wanted to go. Cause I've, I'm trying to think if I went to any before that, but I just remember like anytime I'm in Spotting Hall, like I just, it's an insane atmosphere. And I tell every fan they need to at least go there once, at least try to find a way there. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's, there is just something about anarchy in that building that that makes it special um you know other places have run in that building like glory pro did a period of time there when it first started those were great shows um 
it was and at that point I was with NWL and those were fantastic shows, but you would still have people saying like, oh, you know, they're, they're really good shows, but you know, there's just not like having anarchy in that building. And I don't really know. I can't really answer why that is. Uh, it's just something about the, the promotion in that building that people like. So it's a bit of a long story, but do you want to like do a quick run through like a shortened story of what the NWL was for the listeners? Yeah. So NWL was a promotion that a man named Major Baisden started in Kansas City. And his goal was to uh, run bi-weekly shows in Kansas City and St. Louis. And to do that, he wanted to hire somebody to run the St. Louis side. And it was like, for me, it was the equivalent of like winning the wrestling lottery, right? So I go from running an independent, which especially back in those days was very little money, to being offered a full-time salary with benefits to run, you know, run and write TV. So uh, in 2016, I took that job, and uh, part of that job you know, I was I could not run Anarchy anymore. So uh, that's why it went away in 2016. But yeah, so well, I spent 18 months with them writing TV and, and uh, you know, running their creatives. Okay. And then I remember when Anarchy, whenever I think it was on the Anarchy account, it just said, is it still on or something like that? And I was still fairly new to Twitter. And like, I just remember seeing like everyone on like the St. Louis area and even beyond St. Louis area, everyone was like going like, oh my God, is this for real? And then I think that's whenever I finally reached out to Sam and I was like, hey, what's this Anarchy stuff? Because I know Sam from like backyard wrestling and he's from my hometown and he would come to my backyard shows, I guess. And just, he said he was there to help us, but he was just there to really just give us shit. But yeah, I just remember when Anarchy came back and then everyone going crazy. How did that feel like seeing that a lot of the Anarchy fans were still loyal? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, you know, for me, like we sent that tweet out and announced the return. Uh, like we did, the, I mean, earlier that day is when NWO closed. So I had just lost my, like the way that day went is uh, I was on a conference call where Major closed the promotion. Uh, I got off that conference call and called the Missouri Unemployment Office, filed all my unemployment stuff. And then uh, put that tweet out and <laughs> it was kind of a whirlwind kind of day, but it was cool to see that reaction, to see grown men in high level jobs like tweet out that they had to like walk outside of their work because they become emotional that this particular, you know, independent wrestling show was going to come back in the way that they remembered it. So it's always neat when you can create something that people get that emotionally attached to. And, you know, for a big portion of our fan base, they're extremely emotionally attached to the product. And, you know, my entire time during NWL, I would hear, you know, I wish Anarchy would come back and all of that. So it was cool to be able to do that for people. One of my favorite things about Anarchy is, like there's like almost unassigned permanent seats for people. Like you walk in 
and Klein's family is going to be at that exact spot. Kenway's going to have all of his friends and all everyone in the Kenway corner. Just everyone has their own like assigned seating that's unassigned, unofficial, and it's just I think that's really cool too. Uh, is there has there ever been a time where like you seen a regular fan right there and you've reached out to them and you were just like, hey, is everything okay or anything like that? Oh yeah, I mean you get to know these people over period of time and for some of them you get to know their names and you get to learn about their lives and you know some of them start doing work like you know Barry Yoko's a long time Anarchy fan he's been coming to the shows for I don't hell I don't know how long <laughs> I know all during our first run so he's been coming for years and you know now he makes our graphics for us and even Tommy who's a very big part of what we do now he started coming to the shows as a fan. And then when we relaunched in 2018, he, he kind of wanted to start learning things and helping out. And now I don't know if this company could exist without him. So, you know, you get to know these people and like Jason Klein, a great example. He, his Kevin and his kids have been coming to these shows since his kids are like very young. So to see them like grow up over all these years, like it's, it's kind of crazy. And, kind of tells you probably been doing this too long but uh <laughs> but yeah you know if we go a little bit don't see a regular there yeah we'll definitely send them a message and see what's going on so speaking of jason klein he had a he sent me a question that he wanted me to ask you let me pull it up it is hold on all right it's the game fuck mary kill and the three people are Tony Costa, Herb Simmons, and Jimmy Allen. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll have to say kill Tony Costa because unfortunately he's already passed away. Uh, I guess I'll marry Herb because I think he's got some pretty good money because I think he's in the uh, – he's like – I don't know, he's like in the government or some shit over where he lives, so I'll go with him for the money. <laughs> and then I guess me and Jim are having an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> uh so one thing i've heard you uh say on the uh patreon podcast is like how there's uh such a large amount of promotions that are locally how do you deal with that do you ever like see that another promotion is running that weekend and you think twice before running that weekend or how does that like do you ever just not run a weekend because you see another promotion is uh, you know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that only because there's so many local promotions. If I sat there and tried to plan a show like just around, like trying not to run when other people are run, we would never run because you got, you know, just off the top of my head, you got Glory Pro, you got MMWA, SICW, Dynamo, then you got CHWA that runs. And, IEW that runs a promotion so it's like impossible to you know plan around everybody uh you know I, I know glory pro usually runs on Sundays so you know we don't run on Sundays so that way we don't conflict with them and uh but you know for instance in March we originally had a event scheduled for the 31st uh, we moved that event to April 14th and the reason for that was because you, you have Glory running that month, 
uh, Grand Del Wrestling running that month. WWE will be in town. AEW will be in town. So I did look at that and go, ah, we might want to move a few weeks because it's an awful lot of money to expect people to pay to come see every single show. So I pay attention to it a little bit, but it's more paying attention when like WWE and AEW is coming through rather than knowing every single local promotion schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then this next question, let me pull it up. It's from Sean Orleans. And he said, let me find it. He asked, Ask Pierre when I'm finally going to get to wrestle that asshole Evangelistico. Uh, anyway, I guess that's not really up to me. That's up to when Evan decides he wants to fight him. Until then, Sean should just concentrate on commentary. <laughs> and then while I'm on the tweet, Anakin Murphy asked, how fast can he pick a 40-unit run? Oh, depends on what's in the run. If there's no clearance, about 20 minutes. Uh, so you mentioned Sean on commentary. Uh, Sean is, he does commentary and he wrestles. Is that ever a struggle for like you guys or anything like that? No, not really. I mean, we're able to position, I'm able to position him on the card where it's not a, uh, it's not an issue. Plus, you know, we, we're lucky enough to have a pretty deep, deep bench when it comes to commentators. You know, Greg is, uh, Greg Jova is a fantastic commentator, so if he has to fill in for a while while Sean recovers from a match or whatever, you know, he he does great. So we have a deep bench of people who can help out in that regard, so it's never really a problem. Okay. And then my next question is, is there a moment in Sporting Hall that you, if you had a time machine, that you would go back to witness it as a fan rather than as the booker? If that makes uh, sense. Yeah. So, I mean, there, luckily I'm able to, you know, if I, if I can perceive that something is going to be a big thing, I usually try to position myself somewhere out there in the building to see it. Uh, but I mean, a couple moments that come to mind and is uh, Shire when he was bleeding and the fans finally embraced him. And that's a, uh, that's not a manufactured moment. Like that's just a moment that happened. Uh, so that that's a big one. Um, ACH when he returned in March of last year, uh, that that's probably the biggest moment that I've seen. Just because you know, there's a lot of personal stuff that goes in with that. So seeing him get to come back and make that entrance was something that was really cool. And then these next set of questions, it's just rapid fire, and it's just a quick opinion, or if you have a story with them. Uh, you can say it if you want. Uh, first person being Evangelistico. Uh, you know, Evan's one of my closest friends, obviously. Uh, we were tag team partners for, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, do the podcast together. And I, I just don't, I don't think uh, Evan gets near enough credit for you know, the things he's done in the area. I, Anarchy wouldn't even be here without him. Uh, he paid, he, he was the, you know, there are a lot of people confuse promoter and our owner and booker. And like Evan was the promoter, booker, or not booker, but promoter money guy through the whole first run. And those shows weren't profitable. And he, 
he kept it going and, and that's and we wouldn't be here today without you know what he put into into it and not to mention just as a wrestler how underrated he is and he doesn't get near the credit he deserves next person being billy starks uh billy she's great uh she's gonna be a big, big star i think that's pretty obvious but at the same time she's still very humble she's a very good student and i really do think more than just the wrestling itself uh just how level-headed she is as a human being. And, and that's hard to do when you're 18 years old and you're getting flown all over the country and being told by everybody, like, how great you are and how great you're going to be. It's very hard for an 18-year-old to stay humble in that in that situation. And Billy does. And it's because she has a very good family supporting her. So, uh, yeah. Next person, Gary J. Uh, Gary is a very uh, big part of what we do. Um, he's somebody that, like, he literally sacrifices his body for people's entertainment. And he sacrifices his body so that people feel like they get their money's worth. Um, and I, I think that people should greatly appreciate that because Gary, he doesn't take any days off if he's if he's on the card, no matter where it is or how many people are there, he's going to work very hard. And uh, he's developed very well into a like locker room leader over the past several years. And so now younger wrestlers are getting the benefit from, you know, his knowledge. And then the last person, uh, he actually, he's the one that told me to reach out to have you on. But Adam Castor or Adam Raw or Sam Richardson, however people know him. Ah, uh, yes, Sam was our was my trainer. Um, yeah, when I started in wrestling, uh, he's done a lot for the area. He he created the LWA, which is where I got my start. And as far as a business person goes, he's very smart. Uh, I learned a lot from Sam as far as like how to brand a product, how to how to promote a product. And that it's really more about the product you're selling than the people that are that are on it. Like Anarchy is a brand, it's a product. It doesn't really matter who's on the show. People come to see the Anarchy brand. And, you know, Sam taught me a lot about branding when I was very, very new. He, uh, one of my favorite stories with Sam is he like, he randomly texted me on a Wednesday and he was like, hey, do you want to go to Chicago with me Friday? And I was like, uh, for what? And he was like, well, I just want to go see Jushin Thunder Liger at AAW. And I just thought I'd bring you along. And just it was funny because the whole car ride, I've never really been on a like an indie road trip or whatever. And I feel like this is the closest I'll get to it because he was just telling me all sorts of stories. And just he like you said, he is he knows how to like promote a brand, especially yeah. personal fitness. Yeah, no, he does a great job. I mean, he's he's built his uh, his particular studio from the ground up, all based off branding and and motivate. Like, I learned a lot how to like motivate talent, work with talent because that. I mean, Sam's very good at motivating people and getting people to buy into his vision, and you see that by all the success he's having right now. So this next segment is going to be. Uh 
sponsored it's sponsored by poddex poddex.com is a website where you can buy multiple different decks of cards that have different questions on various topics you can go to poddex.com and use your boy squints for 20 percent off uh how this works is they just have various decks on their app i'm going to choose a random deck and just ask the questions from that deck okay let me find one this one is a basketball related one i know you're a big basketball fan yep you have the first pick in the nba draft who are you picking like this coming up draft i'm assuming yeah, I'd be Victor Wimbanyama without a doubt. Would you have, or when you compare LeBron to another player, do you compare him to Magic or Michael? Why or why not? Magic Johnson. Uh, LeBron's a pass-first player, uh, just like Magic Johnson was, where Michael Jordan was a score-first player, and also Magic Johnson was a big guard. And LeBron's a, you know, he's technically a forward, but he's still, you know, he's a bigger guy. And his game is much more like Magic Johnson than it is Michael Jordan. So where do you stand on the uh, Michael or LeBron debate? Ah, it's tough. I mean, for many years, I always said Michael, but I feel like now that LeBron has passed Kareem and he's number one in scoring, number four in assists, uh, he went to, I believe, nine or ten straight finals. And if you start going through the caliber of teams that LeBron has played in the finals and you compare him to the teams that Michael played, uh, LeBron played the Warriors, which had four Hall of Fame players on it. He played against the Spurs, which had four Hall of Fame players on it. Uh, he beat a Thunder team that had that has three Hall of Fame players on it, even though they're, you know, they were young. And you look at the teams that Michael Jordan beat, and while he went 6-0 in the finals, I mean, that Portland team had Clyde Drexler, one, one Hall of Famer. The Suns team had Charles Barkley. Uh, I, you know, Dan Marley, I mean, he wasn't going to do nothing with Michael Jordan. Uh, the Jazz teams were the best teams that beat in the finals. Uh, they had, for sure, two Hall of Famers on it, but they just want the quality of teams that LeBron played against. And you also look at the Boston team that LeBron had to play in the East, also had four Hall of Fame players on it. So I think I'm giving it to LeBron now. But Jordan's definitely number two to me. And you could argue he's number one. They just played so different than two complete different eras. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, get to see him uh, break Reem's record live? No. Like, you on TV? No, I watched it on TV. Uh, I was in New Orleans when he played the Pelicans, and if he wouldn't have sat out the Brooklyn game earlier in the week, he would have broke it in New Orleans, and I would have been there. But he, he, we knew he was going to break that record in L.A. It was a way bigger deal. I was on my way home from work, and the whole time I'm uh, on my way, my brother's texting me. He's saying, like, six more points, four more points. And I'm like, oh my God. And as soon as I like got to my front door, he texted me and he's like, you missed it. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. No, I, but I, I, I was able to see the, uh, the mid game celebration they did. Right. Yeah. And, and they'll, they'll replay that shot until the end of time. So there'll be plenty of chances to see it. Oh yeah. One of my uh, favorite pictures from it is just where he's like making the shot and just everybody has their phones out. Yeah. And like, it just, I don't know, like, 
people are upset about it, but it's just the same thing as the flash bulbs that you would see back then. It's just right. how people get stuff done now. Right. It's how people like they it's just different time, right? Like there were people that were saying, Well, you know, but look at Jordan's last shot. You see all these people that were just living in the moment watching the shot, but that's how people live in the moment now. They try to record the moment on their phone. So it's not I think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just different than how it was 20, 25, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then this next deck is this or that, and it's simple as that, just this or that questions. The first one being, would you rather be a news anchor or a weather anchor and why? Uh, I think I'd rather be a news anchor because people tend to blame weather anchors personally if they don't get the weather prediction right. So I think I'll go with news anchor. Are you a chest bump or a fist bump type of guy and why? Uh, fist bump. I don't, I'm not real big on chest bumps. All right. Let me try to find a good one. What do these are? All right. This one East Coast or West Coast and why? Uh, West Coast. Coast and because I mean I guess I mean I guess it depends it depends on what it is. Like I enjoyed more wrestling like from the East Coast, but I'm a big West Coast hip hop fan. So that's why I guess I would say West Coast. Uh, so what got you like what made you wanna become a wrestler? Was there a specific match you've seen or no not really? I mean I was and I was always a fan since I was a kid. And I actually got into it to either do commentary or just write storylines. Because back then I didn't quite, you know, didn't quite understand how it worked. I just thought that like you went to a wrestling promotion and they quote hired you to write storylines. Like obviously that's not how it goes, but I didn't know that back then. Uh but we ended up meeting a guy named Sam Lacey who was buying a ring and we were like, they got in the ring and decided, well, I guess I'll just try being a wrestler. But the funny thing is I never really had this big ambition to like be a wrestler. I more wanted to just, you know, write storylines and stuff, but I ended up wrestling for I think 14 years. So, yeah, but it wasn't like this big thing that I sought out to do. So for Anarchy, do you write out storylines for months in advance? Oh, yeah, years. Like, I mean, we I have certain ideas that, have, that are mapped out for like two, three years. And, uh, you know, some sh- more short form stories and they change constantly because the landscape changes constantly. But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have ideas that stretch out for a very long time uh one of my favorite ideas you had was i forgot it was the uh, round robin tournament you guys were going to do right before the pandemic uh have you ever thought about has there been a thought of you wanting to do that or retry it uh no, yeah you know it's probably something we'll never do only because the amount of shows and like, like again how i said the landscape's always changing we had a way different like business deal with the building back in those days, uh, which would have allowed us to run 
because of the way that the way that this particular thing would have to go, we would we would have to run twice a month, every month. And that's just not something we can do anymore. And, you know, now that the pandemic is over, I guess, <laughs> you know, wrestling has opened up in such a big way. It's almost impossible to get 24 talents that are going to be available for every single one of those shows that would allow a tournament like that to take place. The idea of that tournament was more, well, for this period of time, we can only draw 50 people because that was the limit and no one's really traveling anywhere and we get this building for nothing. So we can do this and try to help them make a little bit of money and it kept us going. But now that, you know, things are drastically different, I don't see a world where we'll ever, where we would be able to do that. Is there a dream match that you want to make happen? Like, like a, a dream match that you want to make happen, but just for various reasons you can't have happen? If so, uh, is it? I mean, we were really close back in 2018 to getting uh, Gunther versus Gary. Uh, that's something I really would have liked to have seen happen. Um, it, I would really love to book Brian Danielson against just about anybody, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. And as far as like guys who aren't like WWE or AEW, it'd be really cool to get Tom Ishii in for a show or uh, like someone like Shingo that would be really cool but you know that stuff's all extremely expensive and we we run on a on a very you know tight budget not having like sponsors or anything like that or or any like people helping us out so it's <laughs> it's difficult like that those would be very expensive so that Ishii, There's a chance, pretty good chance those wouldn't happen either. But go ahead. if you ever got Ishii, I feel like Klein would. I I don't know what Klein would do because I I about once a month I hear him always bring in how he wants Ishii in Sporting Hall, and I think that would finally be that'd be like him winning the lottery. Yeah, I don't need Klein to mortgage his house or something to help bring Tommy <laughs> here. I, I don't need Miss Klein knocking at my door. So. uh but yeah, you know, if it ever, the opportunity ever presented itself and, and we financially were in a place to try and make that happen, yeah, absolutely, that would be great. Have you ever, uh, have you ever thought about running a WrestleMania weekend show? Because that's something that a lot of promotions are doing. Has that ever crossed your mind or? No, not really. Um, you know, again, those things are kind of expensive to do and while I don't, you know, I don't fault anyone for doing it, I just don't feel like it would benefit us a great deal. Um, I feel like that, you know, we pack our building more times than we don't. So uh, if we did a show out in California this year, I don't imagine any of those fans are going to drive to Alton to see Anarchy. And it would cost us a great deal of money to run a show out there. Uh we had an opportunity to run a show uh, Texas last year that wasn't a bad deal financially. I just opted not to do it. But I'm kind of in a, I'm in a different place in my life now than I was 10, 15 years ago to where 
I can't really dedicate the, you know, the amount of time it would take to run a show in a completely different state. It goes a lot of work that goes into that. And I can't really dedicate the time to it. So I, I would say it's a very good chance we'll never run WrestleMania weekend. And then you're a big office fan. So my final question for you is, if you could bring anyone from the office into Spalding Hall, rather it be as a guest announcer or for a match, what character would it be and why? Uh, well, I guess I'd have to say Michael Scott because he's the most popular one on the show. He would probably draw the most people. Uh, but, you know, maybe a more realistic possibility would be someone like Phyllis who actually lives in St. Louis still. So one of those two. If I'm going for the draw, it would have to be Michael Scott. Who would you who would you book Michael Scott against? Uh oh, Buddy Shepard. <laughs> and then the final guess that I ask all my guests is if you could give any piece of advice, it doesn't have to be related to wrestling, what would it be? Uh yeah, I guess I'll kind of I'll just stick into like the wrestling stuff. I would say to, you know, make sure to number one, have a backup plan. Um don't dedicate your entire life to it because you will regret it uh, years later. If things don't go how you hope, there are definite consequences for it. And, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you don't really think about those things, but you definitely will when you're 35, 36, 37. And I would just say to like people out there in leadership positions, like you need to try to just be more positive, uh, a lot of bitterness and a lot of a lot of hate <laughs> that goes on in in independent wrestling especially in this area and you know 10 years ago 15 years ago I wasn't always the nicest guy either I'll be the first to admit that but at some point everybody just kind of needs to grow up right and you know some people do and some people don't and I would just you know urge wrestlers and that to pay attention to their surroundings and take a look around at who you associate yourself with and who you choose to associate yourself with and make positive decisions and you'll probably be okay. And then if you just want to let the listeners know where they can uh, find you or Anarchy on social medias. Uh, yeah, sure. You can follow uh, St. Louis Anarchy on Twitter at STL Anarchy. I believe or at STL Anarchy on Instagram uh, or St. Louis Anarchy on Facebook. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash anarchy STL tiers start at $2. And that's about it. Uh, STL anarchy.com for tickets and show information. All right. Thank you for being on. This is something that I just realized that we like planned all the way back in like October or November and just yeah, as the holidays right. it's my real busy season so it's almost impossible for me to do anything in october november december so i'm glad i was able to do it yeah absolutely thanks for being on and thanks for listening everyone if you want you can follow me on twitter at your boy squints follow us at a man in his pod on twitter uh like subscribe one star five stars all that fun stuff uh peace Yo, you know how to space, space. Shout out a man in his podcast. Shout out Squint. Shout out Cody. Bitch.
Chris and Cody Still locked in like Shaq and Kobe They can't hold me Waited that spells like I feel it like Brody Talk is lean, huh? they can't stop me On my team, huh? we all gleam huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream huh? Chris and Cody Still locked in like Shaq and Kobe They can't hold me Waited that spells like I feel it like Brody Talk is lean, huh? they can't stop me On my team, huh? we all gleam huh? Ay, We make it yeah. happen, they got to the dream huh? Meanie, meanie, money, my catch your thotty by her toe if she says she don't listen to the podcast, I let her go. If she says she do to see a motherfucking keep a grim reaper, killing beasts without the effort, cause I'm eat good. Came from the bottom, so jump from the top rope. My head is mad, how I'm spitting the scout flow. I'm on my game, running up, but I pop low. We want a green second cheese, just like nachos, huh? So let me breathe for a second, huh? I'll be ballin' hard, count in these threes, like I'm reffin', huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that spells like I'm feeling like Brody. Talk is lean, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream, huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that spells like I'm feeling like Brody. Talk is lean, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh?